Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. He came to wash away the filth of sin and bestow eternity to those who would believe in him in order that they might become as beautiful desert blossoms. Isaiah prophesied, Behold, God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah chapter 12. You see, the salvation from sin that God wants to give us through his son, Jesus Christ, is likened to water... For water is vitally important to all life on earth. For example, a human being can survive almost two months without food. I can attest to that because I went two months without food. Amazing, isn't it? How we can be deprived of so much and yet still survive. But we cannot survive a full week without water. And a plant will wither and die if water is withheld, even if it's rooted in rich soil. And because water is required to make the soil nutrients available to those plant cells in order for it to thrive. You see, without water... All living things on earth will die. And in a similar manner, without the water that comes from the well of salvation, through Jesus Christ, all human beings will die a spiritual death. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And those who are believers have tasted that the Lord is good. They know the truth about life in Christ. 
But even so, the devil can sometimes muddy the water and cause pain and confusion. Look at today's current events. Look what's going on in Israel. Many of you have called me this week asking about, is this the prophecy coming true about the end and the revelation? And those of you who talked to me this week will say the same thing. What did I tell you? Does it matter? Does it change how we live? Does it change the way we think about Christ? Does it hasten our steps a little bit? Absolutely. Does it further embolden our faith? Absolutely. But it doesn't change anything. This has been going on for thousands of years. So what's different this time? Well, the Bible says this about this, and then if this happens, this happens. Okay, you're right. It does. But what does that change for you? Does it change your thinking about, oh, you know what, maybe I need to get right with God. Maybe I need to speak to that neighbor who was asking me questions about faith. Maybe now is the right time since it seems like the world's going to end. Does it change things for you, the way you view things? Isn't this how we should always be? This is one of the wiles of the devil. To get you to believe that, you know what? It's already over. There's nothing more that I can do. So I'm going to rely upon my own strength. And since I have a relationship to Christ, I'm good enough. But that's not what God tells us, is it? God tells us to be in step with him at all times. And so when these trials and these things that we face on a day-to-day -day basis don't be, seem so scary anymore, they don't throw us off of our path and what God has called us to do. The devil wants to cause pain and confusion as he attempts to pollute the living water within us. He wants believers to become tainted by the same dirt and filth from which they have arisen. The devil wants you to believe that you are not saved. That when you've come to know the Lord that you can lose that salvation. That there is no hope for you. That in spite of today's current events, it doesn't matter what you do. That is how he gets the firm hold on you. To get you confused. To sensationalize everything. So that it becomes more of a panic. Than a time of celebration. A time of joy. A time of opportunity for us to hear God's calling. If we feel as though the very life of us is being sucked out of us and we don't know why and we feel as though very life itself is not even worth living you see then we'll soon understand as we discover 
what Satan is actually attempting here. We'll understand that he's trying to contaminate our well. The devil wants to muddy the waters. And we'll also come to learn how we are to clean out our well once it's become stopped up in order to regain the joy of our salvation and our spiritual vitality. So what does that mean for us? I'd have you turn to John chapter 4, verse 14. John chapter 4, verse 14. You see, the Bible compares the salvation bestowed on believers to life-sustaining water. And in Revelation, John said that in heaven there will be a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And that anyone, anyone can partake of this life-giving water right now, saying, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And this is the same message that Christ proclaimed to the woman at the well in John 4, 14, where you're at. Jesus said, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And you might be familiar with the account behind these words. We know that Jesus was passing through Samaria and stopped to rest at Jacob's well. And there he saw a woman approaching. And he asked her to assist him in drawing up some water. And the woman was astonished and questioned how Jesus, being a Jew, would dare associate with her since the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. What was Jesus' response? Jesus' replied, he said, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Jesus was telling the woman that if she would only ask him for salvation. That he would grant her request. She had within her a spiritual thirst. That could only be quenched by the eternal foundation of living water that never runs dry. Never. Jesus utilized this opportunity at Jacob's well to provide us a lesson. A lesson in order to reinforce the fact of how he longs to grant people eternal life. If someone decides to give his or her life and their heart to Jesus, in their new life, in him, will be eternal. It will be as constantly flowing 
like a well that never runs dry. That's the description that we're given. Can you imagine this in your head? That your salvation is like a well that is overflowing? And with overflow, what do you do with that overflow? You give it to others. You give it to others. You allow them to be overflowing. We need to have a well that never runs dry. In 2 Kings chapter 3, it talks about how our well can be stopped up with various things like the pollution of the water or temptation in our life. But we have within us a well of living water and the devil doesn't like it, does he? He doesn't like it. In Hebrew, the word Satan means adversary or enemy. And Satan is definitely our adversary and he wants to stop up our well. In Hebrew, the word Satan or Satan means to lay snares. But it is also translated as stop up and to close off. We find the word Satan used in reference to stopping up wells during battles, such as what we read in 2 Kings chapter 3, which says, Also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, and stop up every spring of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. That's in verse 19, just for reference. You see, the segment of this verse should emphasize that we should want to not stop up our springs of water. The King James Version translated as stop all wells of water. Both springs and wells represent an unending and continually flowing supply of water. So stopping up the wells of the enemy was a warfare strategy used frequently in Old Testament times. A strategy that resulted in opposing forces becoming weakened from thirst and choosing to surrender. Those who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord have within them a well of living water flowing continually. It is a continual motion. And it provides a close relationship with both the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. And this well bestows strength, spiritual sustenance, and an energy to withstand the attacks of the enemy. However, when Satan gets a chance and we give him the chance, he will try to plug that well in an attempt to defeat believers. That happens on a daily basis, amen? We give him an inch, what does he take? A mile. We are in a spiritual battle against an unseen enemy called the devil. And Paul warned how believers are in a daily struggle against Satan and his demons. 
We referenced it several weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 6. He also said that we must suit up for battle with the armor of God. Revealing how we're definitely at war. And it's not just a physical war. We're seeing the fruition of that now. But the battle that we're fighting is a spiritual battle. And even the physical battle over there is not about the physical, physicality of it. It is a spiritual battle taking place. So what are some things that Satan will use to stop your will? What are some of the things that he tempts you with and tries to pollute the water, so to speak? He will use stones. The stones of worry. The stones of self-pity. Depression. All these things are Satan's strategy to stop up your will. When your soul is full of these stones, it hinders the flow of God's Spirit within you. And secondly, he will use dirt. The dirt of judgment, hatred, bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. The dirt of jealousy and competition. All of these things will definitely stop up your will and also hinder the flow of righteousness, that peace and joy that God so desires for all of you to have. Many believers have allowed Satan to stop up their wells and they have no joy and they don't have peace in their lives. And they certainly don't have the energy to fight during the face of trials of opposition. God wants to unstop your well. He desires that the river of life flows in you freely. Jesus wants to have you experience the renewing energy of his living water. I could just see a commercial now on TV. Have y'all seen commercials for like Gatorade and all that? Is it in you, right? Is Christ in you? Come get your living water today. Isn't this what God is trying to portray to all believers? To give us the hope and the understanding that it is possible. Hope is not a four-letter word. It's real. It's possible. It should be exemplified in our lives. It's not even an option. It already resides within you. You just got to tap into it. And understand that no matter what is going on, you have the ability to give others hope. Even when hope does not reside with you currently, you have the ability as we do as believers. So how do we tap into that? How do we allow our waters to run clear so that others can be become overflowing with that river of life? We have to replace our well with the cistern. 
Turn to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. And understand this. A major problem often exhibited in the life of a believer whom Satan is attacking with the intention of stopping up their well is that the individual will give up on the idea of trying to clean out his or her well. That's where Satan wins. He can't take it from you. The problem is, is we give it freely. We give up. We say, you know what? I can't handle this anymore. I don't have the ability to fight. I don't have the ability to hope. So I'm going to just give up. And that's when Satan wins. We have the ability to win every single time. Who here likes to win? Most of us do, right? Without any effort on our own, we can become victorious. Jesus Christ has already provided the way. We just have to, like Dave and I like to say all the time, we need to get out of the way. We need to allow him to do what he does best. But let's say, for example, that you are that person. That you, you just feel like giving up. You don't understand why God has allowed these things to happen. You don't understand why things are the way that they are. Maybe you're the person that has grown tired and weary and perhaps complaining that it's just too hard to dig out of the life-giving water. Perhaps you're the individual that hasn't drawn close enough to the Lord or to find any real value in reopening your well. Or maybe your relationship with Christ. But whatever the problem might be, it results in the believer forsaking God and hewing out his or her own cistern. Like I said, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the Lord said, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and honed themselves cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to break your cistern. He wants to muddy those waters. He knows that he can't take that living water away from you. But he knows full well that you are able to give it to him. And so he attacks he muddies those waters. He confuses you. He sends pain. He gets in your head. He gets in your heart. But God says, I can handle that. I can take care of that for you. If you would just allow me to do so. The victory is already won. The victory is already won. But we know that a cistern is much different from a well. It is a subterranean reservoir for strong water, which was collected from rainfall. Those of you who didn't know what a cistern was, I know some of you probably didn't, but 
it's to hold a lot more water than you could possibly imagine. And through a system of gutters and man-made channels, not only did a cistern hold collected rainwater, but it also stored water that was hauled in from other locations and filled by the labor of people. So unlike a well, which is continually being replenished without any human effort, a cistern requires the effort of people in order to keep it filled. Spiritually speaking, a cistern is a man's substitute for God's well or living water. It's a spiritual replacement that the individual hopes and believes will become much better than a well that God has provided. So when Satan attacks and stops up our well, then we might be tempted to go out and construct our own cistern. Perhaps we've become disappointed by some bad experience in life and have become angry at God. And we feel that he's not there for us. Maybe we've lost our faith in his provision and have tried to take matters into our own hands. When we feel this way, we can begin living apart from God, attempting to fill our empty heart with earthly possessions and the lusts and the passions of this world. There are two problems that we'll encounter should we decide to dig our own cistern. First, it won't be continually replenished on a daily basis by natural means. Therefore, we'll have to work really hard in our attempt in finding satisfaction. And secondly, the Lord says the cistern that we build will be cracked and flawed and continually leaking. When our leaky life becomes depleted of the living water, then we'll wind up spiritually dry and dead on the inside. But Proverbs 16.22 says, God's word will unstop your well. If our well becomes plugged, the solution is not to construct a cistern. What we need to do is clean out and unstop our well. So, how is that accomplished? Well, Proverbs 16.22 and 18.4 consecutively or back-to-back says this. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. And the wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. We cannot unstop our well by poking and digging at it from the outside. I remember a time when I was sitting outside at seminary and it was, it was just a rainy day the day before. And I would go out there and sit on campus and I would see the grounds crew that would come out because the grass was flooded and the, the sidewalks where we would walk to get to the library and various places would be, would be flooded. And 
the guys would go out there and they would get to these almost like manhole cover type things. And they would get there and they would pull those up and they would unstop the manhole. And so what they would do, they'd get there and they would just extract the debris with their shovels and they were pretty effective. Once they were able to clear that debris, everything seemed to flow back down. Everything went back to normal, so to speak. We can't clean our well by ourselves. It takes a crew, doesn't it? It takes a crew of you and God. We can't do it by ourselves. Because we know that the job is too difficult and dirty. Someone else must do it with us. And that someone is Jesus Christ. And he does, he, he does so by cleaning from within. That's called the wellspring. It is said that the... Um, is actually said at St. Margaret's Bay in the southeast of England, there is a well that is always covered by the sea at high tide. And strangely enough, its waters remain fresh and pure, uncontaminated by the briny waters of the sea, fed from the hills above. It has a constant supply of fresh water pouring into it, which effectively prevents the ocean from flowing in. You see, in order for our well to become unstopped, there must be a continual supply of fresh water feeding our soul at all times, at all times to um, flush out the garbage and filth of the world that has been tossed in by the devil. So how can we receive the constant supply of pure and fresh life-giving water? What can make the water of life begin to flow again within our dry and thirsty soul? There are two key words found in our verses this morning that tell us how. The first word is understanding. Understanding and then wisdom. According to Proverbs, understanding and wisdom are gained through instruction in the ways of the Lord. Therefore, the teachings found within the Bible are a flowing brook which provides the wellspring of life. We read in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. When we read and study the Bible, we will become as a tree that has sunken its roots deeply into the ground. And the main taproot of many trees will descend all the way until it reaches what? The water. 
the water table where it will receive a continual supply of fresh water to keep its leaves from withering. We've all observed this firsthand. And we have many examples of how this is true in our life and how we know that it can be the other way. When we don't firmly put our roots down in what we believe and hold true to our convictions, how fast we can wither. The Word of God continually renews us from within. In Ephesians 4.27, the Apostle Paul warned, Do not give the devil a foothold. The devil is always trying to gain a foothold in our life. Amen? Always. Always trying to gain what is not his and what he does not deserve and what has not been commissioned to him. But it has been commissioned to us through the believing in our faith in Jesus Christ. In our life, he begins with the initial onslaught of attacks, with temptation to sin. And temptation is defined as the enticement or the allurement or being put to the test. It's important for us to understand the issue of temptation so we can more readily identify it when it starts creeping into our life. And so... We can overcome it. Like the song says, he overcame. We, that means we have overcame. But also know this. God keeps track of temptation. Understand that. God keeps track of temptation. Turn to James chapter 1 verse 12. Proverbs also says... The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Whether we are experiencing some initial temptation or committing full-fledged sin, the Lord sees our every move. And James alluded to how he keeps track of our responses to temptation. James 1.12 Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The Lord actually keeps track of our temptation. We read that the one who endures temptation will be approved. And that this approval will lead to a reward, which is the crown of life. Approval and recognition can only be received after a person is judged or evaluated and receives positive commendation from his or her actions. A fair assessment is acquired through a review of the facts. And facts are obtained by accurate record-keeping. The Bible reveals that God keeps a record of how people act in this life. Malachi said, So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate 
on his name. And then John declares in Revelation 20:12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So, God records our every response to temptation in the book of heaven, whether good or bad. And all people will be held responsible and accountable for their actions in this life and be approved or disapproved and for their reward thereby. So the way we live our life will be evaluated by the Lord in that final day. So, what does that mean? We had better make sure that we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Not because Israel's under attack. Not because the United States of America is going to pot. Not because mom and dad said you better do it because I said so. Not because of what you feel is right for you. We do it because God is expecting that response. And then we're approved or disapproved. I never liked those words. Always brings some tension and some anxiety in me. Am I approved or am I disapproved? We can be sure of this if we follow God's word to the T. If we understand that we can beat temptation, that we can block the devil from muddying our waters. But there's only one way we do that. We believe in Jesus Christ. We allow him to fight those fights. We allow him to unstop our well. We allow him to do what he said he's already going to do. And we know he keeps his promise. But I should note that what I just said is not an intention to mislead you. Understand that. And in, in, in that, so believing that we're saved by works. And deeds. The Lord does review our life choices and decisions. However, that thing that gains us entrance into the kingdom is our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. The Apostle Paul declared, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any of you should boast. The things we do are definitely recorded in the book of heaven. Know that. And we might have a thousand good deeds, but it will do us no good if our name is found missing from one book in particular. The Bible shares the name of this book. Listen closely as I read from Revelation. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 says this, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father 
and before his angels. And then later on in Revelation 21, 27, there shall by no means enter into heaven anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're also informed in Revelation 20.15 that anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the Lord keeps a record of our sins and our temptations. Therefore, it is important to make sure that our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Who's to blame for temptation? Who's to blame for temptation? Ourselves. Ourselves. Modern, modern psychology says that if we're experiencing a problem in our life, that we should search our past and try to identify any negative influences we might have. It is believed that understanding where we came from and realizing that our problem isn't our own fault will provide a sense of closure and release and help us move on and begin to see the healing in observing this premise in action that we will often see people blaming others for their problems. That's what modern psychology will teach you. And I know lots of psychologists, so those who I know that are watching, I'm not picking on you. But that's modern psychology for you. Blame somebody else. It's not your fault. You're a product of your own <laughs> past. You didn't just become that way. You were born that way. There's no hope for you. You are the way you are because someone else already decided that for you. But God says, I will come to any and all who believe in me. No conditions. Not if you've done this, not if you've done that. Well, maybe you can come. No. Everyone has the opportunity. We live in a society permeated by this way of thinking. That it's okay to just blame others. And people love to play the blame game when they get into trouble. The devil wants us to feel like a victim. Because victims are held hostage by their captor. And are helpless to change their circumstances. But God says that we are held accountable for our own actions, which means that I alone determine my responses to certain situations that come into my life. I'm the one to blame. No one else. I'm the one to blame. James said, for example, that when temptation comes knocking on our door, that we are oftentimes the one 
who's responsible. James 1, 13 and 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticement. Our own desires. If we are the one who has allowed temptation to creep in, then we must be the one to rebuke the devil and send him running. But the good news is you can. You can send him on his way. You have the ability. You have the power given to you through Christ Jesus to send him on his way. So who's to blame for our temptation? It's clearly stated. Apparently it's not God. And it's not God who's involved with the evils of sin and temptation. And the Lord doesn't tempt anyone, so what about Satan? Could we put the blame on Satan? Makes sense. But that's not where the blame goes. The devil is specifically called the tempter in 1 Thessalonians 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 5. He's also portrayed as a schemer. Ephesians 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and a liar and the father of lies in John chapter 8, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour in 1 Peter, and as one who seeks to lay a snare or trap in 2 Timothy. Satan is definitely a lowlife who would resort to using temptation and attempt to destroy our walk with God. That is certainly true. What we need to comprehend is that he's the only, or that he's only the tempter. He doesn't do the sin in your life. You do that. You are merely tempted. We read, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. The Lord wants us to worship him alone because he is a jealous God, right? Wanting all of our devotion directed towards him. And we're supposed to live our life focused on God and his son. So, this morning, if you are a Christian, I want you to be encouraged and that you seek to reopen the well of living water that you have received from Jesus Christ on the day of your salvation. Maybe your water has been muddied a little bit. We can cleanse that. Do not try to dig your own cistern because if you do, you'll only be left empty, frustrated, and worn out from trying to find fulfillment on your own. We've also been shown a very sneaky tactic of the devil called temptation. And we've been encouraged that we can indeed overcome that. Apart from Jesus, 
you can do nothing. And you'll be left barren and unfulfilled. So we need to start seeking the Lord again by looking in His Holy Word. And then the sins in our life can be flushed out. And then you can be renewed. And you can be restored in the sight of the Father. Amen? Amen. Dave, come. I don't know how many of you know uh, Pat Old. I worked with Pat when I was in the Air Force. And uh, uh, he's been taking care of his wife, Sonia, for the past, I don't know, a couple of years. Five years. Five years. And uh, just this past week, or, or a couple of weeks ago, Pat had a stroke. And uh, uh, you know, I knew Pat. He was quite a character from the Air Force. If you, <laughs> if you know anybody from the Air Force that you worked with, but Pat was something else. Pat, anyhow, he had a stroke. Uh, he passed away just this past week. And uh, right after that, his wife, uh, Pat, went on the glory. But, uh, and their son is taking care of the affairs of... Uh, funeral and, and whatnot, but anyhow, keep him in prayer, please, that uh, he can get things uh, done and accomplished, and uh, know that Pat and his wife were both in glory yep. with God. Amen. 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 Yes. Thank you. And the old is his name. Yeah. God is good even in death. Amen. God is so, so good to us. And speaking of his mercy and his grace, before we leave here today, I want to present to you Shirley Regert, if she'll come. 
She doesn't like to be in front of people, so don't stare at her. Okay. But Shirley came and prayed with me last week before the end of service. And it is her desire to enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so she's made the decision. We will be talking. We'll talk about baptism. We'll talk about membership. We'll talk about all the wonderful things that is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we want to support her. We want to understand that this is not a journey that we take alone. That we do it together. And so when we pray, I ask that you come. Welcome her into the family of God. And to let her know that we're here for her. Amen. And that we are a family. Amen. And we watch out for family, don't Amen. we? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. And who you are is our King. You have all matters in hand, Lord. Even when we face difficult trials, we can rely upon you. We know that you will take care of all of it. Lord, you can calm our spirit. You can calm our soul. And like I said, no matter what's thrown our way, Lord, current events, maybe things in our own life, if we put our trust in you, wonderful miracles can be done. And we see them every day. Yes. Thank you for your son yes. who died all those years ago for little old us that we might be able to enter into your kingdom and hear those sweet, sweet words and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Just like Pat and his wife are currently right now. They are with you in glory. We praise you for that. Lord, we cannot say enough things to honor you. But my hope, and I know it is the hope of this church, that through our actions... And through the things that we say and do, that we can bring honor to your name. Thank you for our time together today. Keep us safe to our appointed destination. And Lord, we just love you. And we thank you. And all of God's people said, amen. Have a great day in the Lord. Meeting in the uh, business conference room for the special events council. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.